News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Well, welcome to episode 106 of the Luke Messiah Show. I'm joined uh, for the second time by the esteemed state senator, the most conservative uh, Republican state senator in the state of Texas, Senator Hall. Thank you for joining me. Senator, I know we were going to meet in person, um, but I have been, we hosted somebody in our house who had COVID uh, during the freeze. And so uh, I don't know if I have it yet or not, but due to that, I didn't come in person. Thank you for uh, being safe anyways and bringing your mask. Well, that's what I heard. So I figured if I was going to be on Zoom with you, uh, I would be wearing a mask. I I think you've been down to, uh, when I was, I was downtown Austin um, with a couple legislators and we went to the Roaring Fork, which of course you and anybody in Austin is pretty familiar with. And we walked into their bar area with the high tops to sit down. And I started to take off my mask as I was standing at the table. And I start to take it off right as I'm like about to get in my chair. And the lady immediately taps my shoulder and she says, sir, you, you cannot take that mask off until you're sitting down. And so I said, okay, thank you. So I sat down and Senator, here's the thing. I'm a short guy. So when I sat on the high tops, my head went up and then I took it off. So I'm like, I don't know how it works when you're standing or sitting, but like I'm projecting more now than I no, was just a second. No. Well, no, see, they, they've cut a deal with the COVID and, and they will not, uh, it will stay away from people sitting down at a table in a restaurant. There you go. And so it's just so long as you obey and it you are, you follow your master's um, instructions and you sit at the table, the COVID has been instructed to stay away from you. And I was trying to, trying to figure it out. Uh, if it's like, is it tied to the knees? Like when your knees come up level with your hips? I don't know. Oh, no, no, they're, they're highly intelligent. Okay. Uh, they, 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 they can discern whether you're sitting or standing. So, I brought you on because you are probably the most knowledgeable legislator I know regarding the power grid. It's something that you have worked on since getting elected. Let's go back. I mean, you ran uh, back in 2014, got elected to the Senate. When you were running, was the power grid already on your radar or did it come on your radar soon after getting elected? It it came on uh, during the course of uh, campaigning uh, as I learned about where we had uh, moved to since uh, my experience that I'd had when I was a a young captain in the Air Force. Uh, I was assigned to the Minuteman Missile Program, uh, R&D, the Research and Development. And during the Cold War, we discovered, uh, learned of the threat of an EMP attack against our intercontinental ballistic missile system. And we knew we had to do something protected. And I was the project officer that hardened the Minuteman II missile um, in our Cold War fight with the Russians. Highly classified, probably the most highly classified thing there was at that time. Mm-hmm. And but when I left the Air Force, um, I just never told anybody about what I did. I hadn't talked about it. And, and I happened to run into somebody who had been working the current day problem of an EMP threat, mm-hmm. uh, electromagnetic pulse threat, at the national level. And their concern was our electrical grid system. Mm-hmm. A th- an area I had not thought about. Of course, back when I was working on it in the mid-60s, electricity was more, much more of a luxury. And if we were going to have a nuclear yeah. war, the last thing we were concerned about was losing our power grid system. Yep. We had bigger problems than that. Um, and so to learn that 
as we fast forwarded to today's society, um, it brought up the fact of how electricity, along with lots of other technology, but electricity in particular had been elevated hmm. from being a luxury to an app, not just a necessity, hmm. but an absolute necessity. Matter of yeah. fact, it has been elevated so high so far that there are only two things out there that are more important than our electricity, and that's air and water. Hmm. And yep. people will live longer without food than they will without air and water. Yep. Uh, and I bring that up because that has been one of the biggest stumbling blocks to getting people to understand the threats to our electrical grid system, no matter whether they're man-made or natural, and we have lots of them, that people want to pretend are not going to happen, hmm. and they want to sweep them under the rug. Uh, and the and uh, so that's what's happened. And and while you really can't point the finger at anyone in particular, mm -hmm. there's a lot of finger pointing that can be done for contributors um, in this whole thing. Now, if you wanted to point it to one place, actually you could point it at the legislature mm -hmm. because the Texas legislature has continuously been overly influenced by the lobby from the power companies mm -hmm. to leave them alone, to not do anything with the, uh, with the promise, don't worry, we will take care of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I think now that people have had just a smidgen yep. of understanding what it means to live without electricity. Because, see, I think that's one of the problems. We just Nobody could just quite yep. comprehend. Yep. Uh, I'll turn the switch, flip the switch, the lights are going to come on. And even though yep. we've had it out for some time in areas when we've had hurricanes and storms and things like that, uh, it wasn't out all over the state. And it wasn't to the point that we were actually concerned that we may lose our entire electric grid, which yep. we came precariously close to doing mm. because of our lack of preparation and protection of the grid. Uh, so uh, this one came about uh, by, it's, it's really, uh, I would say, I don't know pun intended, but it was the perfect storm. Mm. In that there were, as we learned in the military, things can can happen that that aren't quite right. But when you get multiple failures all at the same time, it can be catastrophic. Mm. And that's what we had here. We had a mixture of things. And for people to point the finger and say, well, it's because of green energy, the uh, windmills and the solar panels. Well, I would argue with that. And that uh, while they, they had a contribution, and their contribution was made a little bit different than some people may think, um, they're not necessarily the reason for it to happen, just as any more than anything else is the reason for it to happen. And, and let me ask a, a clarifying question on that. So one of the ways I've, I've tried to say it, based on what I've read and seen, and uh, is that it is true that whatever percentage of the power generated that was from wind, if it had been from a more reliable power source, we would have had more power on the grid. Would that be an accurate statement oh, to make? No, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, so, that, is so, of, that is one of the shortcomings of the green, green energy. energy is it is not reliable. Yep. It is yep. not reliable. And that is a big factor in this. So, so though it's not, if you say it is the reason, it means if it wasn't there, then we wouldn't have had these issues, which to your point is like, that's, that's not true. But it is true that 
the less reliant our state and our grid is on those green energy forms, the more power we'll reliably have. Does that? No, that's that's right. And and actually, it it is not the wind and solar. It's the policies of the left for the green energy that that caused other things to be put into a position to be not available. As an example, uh, because of the same policies that spawned uh, wind and solar, mm -hmm. uh, we have had well over a hundred coal-fired plant powered plants in Texas have closed. Mm. Had they been online, we would have had more than enough uh, capacity. But of what we did have left, they were not the, the ones that were left were not allowed. Get that were not allowed by the federal government to operate at full capacity because of environmental constraints. They were told they'd be fined hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. if they were to exceed the environmental limits, which would be passed on to the consumers. Uh, if they So the consumers would have had to pay for it, but they were not allowed to operate. And so with that, you now had then the combination of the uh, unusual but rapid drop in temperature mm -hmm. that resulted in a rapid rise in demand. Mm. And so the demand got exceeded the capacity, the allowable capacity with those up, uh, pieces of uh, uh, power units that were left. Mm -hmm. And because the, <laughs> the, wind, <laughs> the wind doesn't blow at night much yep. and the, <clears throat> and, and, and the, Snow covered the solar panels, and they are of no use at night, either yep. one of them. So they were they did not off offer anything. They they were they were as bad off as if they were they were broken, and they were broken. I mean the the windmills were frozen in place. Yep. And uh, and I won't go into a lot of detail, but they were not available. That put a bigger strain on on the plants, and and as we went through it, realizing there wasn't as much. Uh, in addition, that rapid startup and drop in temperature caused and resulted in a number of plants going down early, mm -hmm. which mean we now had a demand exceeding our supply. Mm -hmm. And for those who understand, in the electrical power generation world, you don't produce this and store it somewhere and show it. It's not like water. You can put it in a tank and get it yep. later. Uh, yep you you it your supply has to match the demand mm. and the so that you cannot consume more than's being provided mm -hmm. and you cannot provide more than is being consumed so the two have to be the continuous adjustments on the supply side to meet because you have don't don't have immediate control over individuals out there turning lights on and off and turning motors on and off and turning pumps on and off and so mm -hmm. on that just happens, and so you adjust the, the amount out there. But mm. when the when the demand grows greater than what you can do by just increasing, you then have to start shutting things down, take control of the mm -hmm. supply by shutting it off. And that's how mm. we ended up with the rolling blackouts, by uh, shutting off those demands to not exceed what we had in production capability. Now, unfortunately, the one thing that was added to that that I've just re recently learned about is that in shutting off the power, 
we actually shut off power to some of the fuel suppliers mm -hmm. so that the fuel suppliers could not supply fuels to plants, which in turn shut them down and reduced <laughs> our capacity. Yep. Because we did not have a well-organized management program in mm. place for what is the third most important thing to sustaining life, mm. electricity. And, and we succumb to just one of the many threats, both man-made and natural, that are out there mm. for this precious commodity that we take for granted. And so we could have fixed some of this problem a few years back, but the influence of the power company and its mm -hmm. lobby, and the power companies being run by executives who care more about their personal paychecks and their bonuses than they do about serving the people, we they only got a powder puff piece of legislation mm -hmm. through that basically said, you guys ought to go winterize yourself so we don't run into this kind of a problem. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, don't well, we're not going to do anything about it uh, mm. because there was no penalties associated with it, mm. which is what quite often happens when the state legislature steps in to do its job. And when I say do its job, I can sum up the responsibility of the, of the legislature in one word, and that is protect. Mm. We are here in the legislature to protect the people of Texas in a variety of ways. And one of those is to protect them against monopolies and the power generators and distributors. I don't care what you call the system we have. Mm -hmm. They, in essence, are a monopoly because you really don't have a choice and where you go to get lecture. Now, you can change your billing, uh, uh, the mm -hmm. person who bills you for it, but the power generation and transmission is fixed. You don't get to switch it on and off. The only option you would have is to go off the grid yep. and have your own power with your own windmill and your own solar or on your own generator, whether it's yep. diesel or gas. Yep. That's not a practical option for yep. people in most circumstances. Yep. And so for an organization, the power companies that are like, like what we have, that are a monopoly, the legislature has a fiduciary responsibility to protect the people of Texas by passing legislation that keeps those companies from doing harm to the public. And our failure to have done that is the one place you can point the big fat finger if you want to point it at somebody, is the legislature's fail, failure to act. And so, that is what has happened. And I will go back to just now, just let me go back to, I think that has been allowed to happen because people could not comprehend how important electricity is. Yep. They yep. never thought about what it's like. Well, yep. they've now gotten just a smidgen of a taste yep. of yep. what it's like for this to happen. And and I make it, it's kind of like if you've watched the news um, that's run quite often of the New York Polar Bear Club, when on New Year's Day, they run out and they jump into mm -hmm. uh, Lake Erie. Yep. And you see that. And you say, wow, okay, but you can't comprehend the incredible impact of that cold water unless you've actually done it yourself. Yep. And so being without electricity is something in today's world that most people cannot comprehend until they have been without it. And so now we have, they have seen it. They got a little yep. taste. They got, the, they got the trailer. They got the introduction 
of what would happen if we don't step up and and take the actions to protect our electrical grid system from both man-made and natural threats to it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that's so what are yeah, and I wanted uh, two quick things because some of our listeners also aren't uh, as into all of the policy as you and I are, right? So uh, a lot of people are just now learning about ERCOT. Uh, so I'm going to make a couple of statements. You tell me if I'm wrong. First of all, Texas is one of the few states that could take action to protect our grid because most states, if not every other state, is on a grid that includes a bunch of states, right? So they'd have to make some type of interstate compact to take action to protect their grid versus ERCOT, which covers the bulk of Texas. Basically, El Paso is on a different grid and then like a little lip in East Texas along the East Texas-Louisiana border is on the grid that goes into Louisiana. But the rest of Texas is all on this one grid that is wholly enclosed within our state borders. Is that correct? That is correct. And our, our and one thing our legislature did several years ago was set that up so we would be in control of our electrical power system, yep. which is really good because that means that we aren't we don't have to put up with the NERC and the FERC, which are the federal agencies that are just uh, shills for the power companies. We actually have it set up here. So and and we have to be very careful because believe me, the left is campaigning real hard and mm -hmm. with a false narrative. And let me say that with the false narrative that this could have been prevented if we were tied into the national grid on the east or west. No, those they have their own problems. They had mm -hmm. as big a problem as we had. Matter of fact, it may have there there is good reason to think that had we been tied to them during this period, we would have been worse off mm -hmm. than what we are now. Because at least this way. This way, we were able to run through, go through the rolling blackouts that we did. Uh, now, there's a lot of improvement has to be made. There are a lot mm -hmm. of mistakes that were made. It was far from perfect, and it needs work. The PUC has failed in its job to properly oversee ERCOT, mm -hmm. and ERCOT has failed to do its job that it was expected to do so it's going to be time for the legislature to give it better direction. But the bottom line is we cannot allow the left to convince anybody that we need to be tied to the grid. Uh, yep. nationally. So the, this week, there's going to be a discussion that starts in the Senate and the House regarding what do we do? The governor has put this issue on his um, emergency call list, which means that y'all, the legislature, can begin discussing it earlier than you can start moving forward on other pieces of legislation. Um, my question is this. So the legislature is going to convene, and, and I've heard a lot of statements out there from people saying, hey, this can never happen again, right? And what I don't know is, is this can never happen again? Does that mean cold weather can never shut down these power plants again, or our grid can never be, uh, you know, taken down again, right? It's vulnerability. So that... Twofold question is one, which one do you think is is being most talked about right now? And then two, can you give our listeners a list of the vulnerabilities that do exist? Because, you know, what are the other vulnerabilities other than weather, which we just in, engaged with when it comes to the freezing cold or the super hot? Okay. Well, I'm afraid there's a number of folks out there that that think that we got to solve this uh, cold weather problem. Yep. It would be demonstrably 
irresponsible of the legislature to ignore the fact that we must protect the grid against all threats. Mm -hmm. This is not a time to pretend like these threats don't exist. We can't do like what we did back when, uh, when, when the cold weather issue was first brought up and pretend like it's never really going to happen and just give it lip service and just hope for the best. Hope is not a strategy. And we have the other threats out there uh, that are that are even more, uh, uh, even worse than the, the cold weather threat. And so I feel we would be absolutely irresponsible with us to not say we, the, the objective to be that we will not allow our electrical grid system to go down again, fail. Yep. to fail. We cannot yep. have a policy. I mean, that's one that was, I just skipped over when I was talking about one of the reasons about this, this happened is power companies, unlike what we did in the military where we had routine maintenance and we replaced parts that we knew were going to fail. The power companies generally operate everything to failure. That is, they don't replace stuff until it fails. Mm -hmm. And that's a question. That's something that needs to be questioned and looked at, but that's a, that's a whole separate issue there. So when it comes to other vulnerabilities, one of those that you've talked about is the threat of an EMP. And that's another one where uh, I don't feel like unless somebody has encountered an EMP, they necessarily, you know, understand that technology, what it is, how it's out there. So I do want to go back and just make sure that people understand. We're, you're not talking about something that could be invented in the future that was in some type of movie. You're talking about technology that currently exists. I think Forbes just did an article on the fact that China is developing, has developed weapons specifically geared towards being able to go in and take out an electric power grid. Can you give us a little bit more insight into that? Oh, absolutely. We know for a fact. We, we absolutely know beyond any question that this is a weapon. We have one, we have them ourselves in our own military arsenal. We have EMP weapons. Mm -hmm. um, uh, General Schwarzkopf wanted to use it before going into Baghdad. Mm. And he asked permission to use an EMP weapon against Baghdad and was turned down mm -hmm. because it was felt it would be too inhumane against mm -hmm. the general population to use mm -hmm. it. Yep. We know for a fact that Russia has it, has them. We learned that. When the when the USSR collapsed and dozens and dozens of senior Russian officials uh, came to America uh, mm -hmm. for asylum, and some of them hoping to bring bring something to help uh, their welcome mat be bigger mm -hmm. uh, when they came out, and they brought us suitcases full of classified documents. That clearly showed that not only did Russia have does Russia have the capability, mm -hmm. but they had given the technology to China. Mm -hmm. And then we also know that the North Koreans have been talking about using an EMP weapon against the United States for years now. We have watched them launch missiles and test programs that were touted by the mainstream media as failures. Well, no, they weren't failures, but they were on a they were on a an EMP trajectory, mm -hmm. uh, not a ballistic trajectory in what they were testing. Uh, we have heard the Chinese, uh, the, our enemies out there have touted is the way to shut us down. And so it's not, uh, the, the military knows this. And, yep. and, the, and finally, the military has come around to recognizing not only is our electric system important 
to sustaining life, it is a national security issue. Mm -hmm. When we lose power, our bases lose power because mm -hmm. they operate. I mean, they have generators may go for a day or two, but they're going to mm -hmm. run out of fuel. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have it. Uh, the first cousin to that same threat is one that we have no man has control over. And that's what's called a coronal mass ejection or sunspot. Those are, those are nuclear explosions of the sun that happen all the time. They hurl off into space in all, in all directions from the sun, mm -hmm. but they only affect the earth when they intercept our trajectory around the sun. And we experience those to a small, the small ones quite often that, that we can, it disrupts our communication, disrupts our power system, but we're able to control it. But we have, we have documented those events large enough to be the equivalent of a high altitude nuclear detonation, uh, one of which happened in 1859. It was called the Carrington event. And people said, well, we didn't have much electricity in 1859. No, but we did have a telegraph system. And that event fried our telegraph system from coast to coast, sent operators to the hospital, set railroad to, uh, uh, tracks on, on fire, and, uh, and put uh, mm -hmm. and warped railroad uh, uh, rails. And like, I want to bring up, because you're bringing up this point, and I think it's worth pointing out the fact that even in that situation, I mean, you're, you're stating, hey, this happened in 1859. It hasn't happened again. But oh, by the way, it's not because we've, figured out how to more accurately control the sun, right? So no, no, the, no, it, it, it no more than we accurately controlled the freeze that happened last week. So when you're talking about these events, you're saying, if you want to know what it takes to secure the grid, you have to take all of these potential situations into your consideration. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, uh, we, we, it, it will be irresponsible of us to continue down this path of pretending like these threats don't exist and pretending like it would not be life-threatening, life-ending for millions of Texans and Americans. Matter of fact, uh, the, the National Commission on, uh, on EMP put out a report uh, a few years back that pointed out that if we went without electricity in the United States for 11 months, 90% of the population would not make it, would die. And so, and I think what we saw, we were out for a few hours and what we have almost 60 people and say, well, do we know of, I don't know how many it's going to be, mm -hmm. but, uh, but, but what we had done, uh, and, and there's more, there is a, now there has been an additional threat uh, since our last session that was brought, it was recognized by president Trump when he issued his executive order mm -hmm. and uh, telling power companies to stop buying equipment from China yep. because what we had learned was, well, let me back up and say, back in Bill Clinton's days, he allowed the Chinese access to our technology. Hmm. And out of that, the Chinese started building electronic equipment, and they built some avionics equipment for aircraft. We bought a bunch of it, put it in one of our fighter planes, and then discovered it was full of malware. For malware, for those of you who don't understand, that we gave the Chinese total access to control of our fighter aircraft they could have shut them off on the ground or in flight anytime they wanted to and so we had to take that equipment out and replace it and today what we've discovered is we have control systems and transformers throughout the united states that were made in china that have malware in them hmm. and that we have now have our electrical grid system 
that is vulnerable to control being turned off by the Chinese. And so he put a stop to it. And just a couple of weeks ago, our new president, Joe Biden, countermanded that executive order and canceled it. Mm. Now, that's at the federal level. We yeah. don't have to put up with that here in Texas. We need to make sure that no power company in Texas buys any equipment made by a foreign manufacturer. We need to buy American-made mm. and have equipment that is not controlled by a foreign entity. That is one of the reasons right there that we need to maintain the Texas grid as a mm -hmm. Texas treasure. No, I think that's a great point. And to your point, it's not even something that was even being talked about last session, right? And so this is something that the president has brought to everyone's attention and you, I believe, have. Now, have you already filed a bill regarding the China issue? Uh, we, Senator, uh, we're, we're working on both. We're, we are, we have multiple bills on this. One yes. is uh, yes. we need to bring all of Texas into the ERCOT grid. Okay. Uh, we also need to, to prohibit the, the purchase of, of equipment that contains malware from foreign countries. Mm -hmm. And the other is that we, we need to harden our grid and, and produce what we call resilient communities. We need to have a resilient grid system and resilient communities. Now, out of our, our work in the past, there is a part of Texas that recognized uh, that this was a smart thing to do. And it's right down south of Austin in San Antonio. And they, the city of San Antonio and uh, the, the, the military bases and the power company, CPS, recognized the validity of what we were saying in our hearings in the last session and the documents that were put out. And they got together and said, you know, our, our military bases uh, will not operate if we lose this commercial power. Therefore, we need to do something about it. And so the city of San Antonio and the military bases and CPS have been working on a plan called resilient communities, which mm -hmm. they recognize that by, we need to protect the electrical grid system, but we also need to address the rest of the infrastructure that is needed to sustain life, such as communications, water, sewer, financial services, emergency services, fire and police, and so on. And so we have that now in our bill. I was in our bill last mm -hmm. time saying okay. it's not just the power companies producing electricity, but those entities that need it to help yep. sustain life. And so we're going to have the program in there where cities and communities get recognized for their, and it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be a seven star resilient community mm -hmm. that has all seven areas covered. But yep. as they, as they bring them into the fold, they will get their star so they can talk about what they have to offer to people to attract them to come live in their area. So this would be basically, hey, so that I, a Texan, would be able to go to a central database and go, hey, San Antonio has actually well prepared our fire and safety EMS guys to weather this storm if it were to come, if anything were to affect our power grid. Uh, but the city of Austin has not, right? And, and in correct. many ways would empower local Texans to then go to their local county judge and their mayor and that and say, hey, right. what is it that we need to do locally to make sure all of these areas are covered? That is right. That, 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 that's what it will do. So just to clarify for, again, one of the things I do like with our listeners is trying to explain a little bit more of the process and how that works. So the reason for different bills is because 
uh, one bill can't always be on four or five different subjects. If, if something's regarding what can and can't be purchased by these power providers, whether it can be made in China or not, or uh, a bill to bring in El Paso and East Texas all into ERCOT, or a bill to create these resilient community standards, these often need to be presented in different legislative packages within a, a different bill. Yeah, that's correct. We're unlike the federal government, which can which can dump all kinds of stuff yeah. into any one bill. At, yeah. uh, uh, in Texas, we we have what we call a one subject rule. That is, you can only go into one part of the Texas code with a bill. If you're going to change another part of it, you have to come up with a different bill. And so we'd be looking at different parts of the Texas code yep. uh, for this. One thing I've seen a couple of your Senate colleagues talk about is eliminating taxpayer abatements and subsidies to some of these wind and solar farms that have been out there. And I know you have for a long time been an opponent of these, these abatement, abatements that are given, right? Where somebody comes in, they build something. This could be any company. And we basically cover their property taxes. And all of us do, right? We all pitch in a little bit their property tax will get covered. I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but do you think that there might be some appetite to uh, to ensure that wind and solar companies aren't getting all these tax breaks that they're currently getting? Oh yeah. Well, well, yes, yes. I have seen the some conversations, uh, text messages I've been on that people are waking up to the fact that a contributor to this is mm-hmm. the fact that we have the the solar and wind, but we only have them because of the tax abatements. We only yep. have them because uh, a few years back, the legislature opted to spend over $7 billion, $7 mm-hmm. billion to provide the, the power lines, called, we call them the Cres lines, coming in from West Texas that brings the power that's generated by the windmills into the mm-hmm. big cities. And the power, they didn't have to provide pay for that, not mm-hmm. like like the uh, gas and oil and coal-fired mm-hmm. plants. Uh, no, they got that handed to them free, and now they get tax, property tax abatements, particularly from the school systems, yep. which has to be made up by citizens. So in addition to that $7 billion for the Cres line, there are billions of dollars every year mm-hmm. that then in tax uh, credits that are given yep. to these companies that that allow, if those weren't there, they wouldn't be there, and we yep. would have... Uh, reliable, uh, more reliable systems mm-hmm. operating. Uh, so yes, those tax abatements are a contributor. They're they're one. When I said there were multiple reasons why of the failure, they had they played a part. Those tax abatements helped put those things in place that otherwise would not have been there. And so yes, they have to go. And I've got I've got a bill to get rid of uh, the, to remove that altogether uh, for the state part. Yep. So, so real quick, in closing, we've got a lot of Texans out there who are concerned about this issue that weren't even concerned a week ago, right? I mean, the truth is they didn't know about your work over the last six years to work on the grid or any of their other representatives working on this issue. Uh, this is just coming to light for so many of them. So if they're listening, if they're watching this, what are a couple things they should be doing? Um, where can they follow along with the things you're doing? And then also, you know, what is it that they should be asking their representative senator to do to make sure that this grid is protected? Well, first of all, you can follow what we have to say and do um, with our Facebook page. Um, Mm -hmm. So so long as the left (laughs) decides to leave it up um, with all of what we've had to say about the the C word. They should probably give you their, uh, they should probably give you 
their email at some point, just in case yeah. uh, your no. Facebook page goes down. Right. And so, um, no, but that's a good, that's a good place to start. Just Senator Bob Hall on yep. Facebook and yep. then um, Senator Bob Hall.com is, is our website. And we have all the, inf the information posted there. Uh, we'll soon be going working on a, a, a more uh, comprehensive uh, grid security uh, page up there and and also a one on on the uh, common sense approach to to staying healthy with the covid mm -hmm. uh, we'll be addressing that also but that's that's a good place uh, to do that uh, so those are that uh, like our page and uh, and go to our website sign up for our newsletter when you go on the website we send out what I call a capital hall report uh, they're coming out more frequently now. We try to get mm -hmm. one out at least every two weeks. Uh, we'll yep. soon be trying to do once a week. And it's a it's a no fluff. Uh, here are the facts. Mm -hmm. This is this is what it is as as we see it. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you as when I mean as the way we see it. I look at it through the eyes of a Christian conservative a, mm -hmm. with Judeo Christian values who believes that our our constitutional republic was intended to be of the people and by the people and for the people, that the role of government is to protect the people, protect liberties. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk about something being good or bad, it's from a, a, a perspective of a conservative government serving the people, not masters controlling. Well, Senator, I'm so grateful for the work that you've done on this for a long time. And, um, you know, often when issues like this come to light and everyone wakes up to the to uh, the threats that are out there. The hope is that uh, the people demand that the legislature not only address cold weather, but also all of these threats, right? Because, um, because now's the time. And, and if we're not going to address the grid this session, then when are we ever going to address the grid? Because the truth is, it would seem like next session or the session after, if we don't take this session to make sure that we take all of these actions um, to ensure that the grid is ready to not only be protected, but have resilient communities throughout. And I love the, I love the seven star ranking system just to, again, empower local citizens because then they can know. I mean, truthfully, if somebody lives in Houston or Dallas or Austin or San Antonio or Greenville, Texas, or, you know, Tyler or San Angelo, they have no idea whether their community is better prepared or worse off when it comes to potential threats to their power. So, uh, yeah, th thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. And uh, I just, I have high hopes because I think, as, as I told mm -hmm. you, our, our lieutenant governor helped get it out last time. We mm -hmm. had 24 senators voted for it, got over to the House. Our mm -hmm. uh, current speaker, Dave Phelan, uh, was, uh, he gets it. He understood the problem. He got it out of his state affairs committee. Yep. Uh, it just died in the calendars committee. And we got a new, uh, new, new folks chair. A new chair of the calendar yep. committee and a new recognition out there. So I would say just make sure your rep and your senator don't need to call me. I get it. Uh, but you can call the others and uh, and let them know how you feel and call the governor's office. Make sure he knows in there. Thank you, Senator. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for helping bring more of this information to light. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. 
Honestly, though, visit TexasScorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.